0: Now, we're going to be looking this morning at biblical conflict resolution, okay? Even toys have a hard time when it comes to conflict, right? Today, we have conflicts everywhere. Think about it with me, guys. We have it between nations. Look at how many wars are going. Oh, real quickly, okay? Have you guys heard of Sharia law? Okay, we're not Muslim, Okay, Allah is not God. It's not the same God of the Bible. If you've read the Quran, you totally know that. Allah is not, anyways, he's not loving. He can't save you. (laughs) Fake God from the pit of hell. But the Muslims believe that when Sharia law is ushered in, when everyone is 100% submitted to Allah under the rule, there will finally be peace. Well, you look, just step back, Look at the nations in the world that are predominantly Muslim, 99.9%. They have the biggest wars inward, civil, going on than anywhere else in the world. So I have to say, is that really true? Absolutely not. There's only one who can bring peace. And who's that? Jesus Christ, right? The Prince of Peace. Anyways, we see conflicts everywhere. Think of the strife that we see within the nations, conflicts between sexes, uh, genders, uh, generations, races, religions, cultures, and political parties, um, still, um, even after elections, 2016, it's still going on. It's ridiculous. Like, we have to vote again this next year, and we still haven't figured out what to do from the last one. I mean, that's how messed up we are, <laughs> and how many conflicts that are going on today. Um, and I would encourage you guys, okay, we're, ju- or we're voting for a new judge for Wisconsin this next Tuesday, go vote, okay? Murder's not okay, it's not. Pro-life is good, vote for who's pro-life. I don't know who he is, or she, <laughs> can't say that, but you guys can look it up. <laughs> Murder's still wrong. Um, but let's, let's play our part, because it's very important for you and I to be salt and light. That's what God has called us to do. And being part of salt and light, guys, is the reality that we get to be peacemakers. That's what God is. Do you guys recall Matthew 5.9? I mean, that was a year ago. I know it's taken us a little while to get through the book of Matthew. We will get done this year, Lord willing, unless the rapture happens. But you guys remember we studied and we looked specifically just at this one verse of blessed are the peacemakers. And this is something that God has called us to be a part of. It's a part of what he is up to, and He's what he's asking of us. So I want to encourage you to reach out to those that you have conflict with. Why? Because this is the heart of Jesus. This is what our God is asking of us. Find some common ground, and where possible, bring, um, you know, bring it together, okay, in love, so our important role as Christians is now bigger than ever. The section that we're going through this morning, guys, gives us some great uh, application. So as we consider biblical confronta- or conflict resolution this morning, I want to share, first of all, a couple things of what it's not. So if you're taking notes, jot these down. It's not avoiding. How many good are good at avoiding? Yeah. Some say, well, I don't want to rock the boat. Well, that's just cowardice. That's what that is. Don't run from a problem. Also, it's not appeasing. Some believe in peace at any price. Whatever. (laughs) Just as long as we can stay okay and we can be at peace here. Anything can go. Or say, hey, I'll just always give in. That's not a good mentality to have. That's um, codependency. Okay, that's... He's fakers, and that's not what God's calling us to. Is he calling us to be fake, guys? No, he wants us to be real. So, Jesus never ran from conflict. God blesses peacemakers, and a peacemaker really is a bridge builder. Well, I don't know how to build a bridge, Pastor. That sounds kind of... Well, guess what? God's going to tell us how to do it this morning. That's what I love about the Word of God. So, when it comes... To conflicts, you are a skunk or you're a turtle. You see, when the skunk is in a relationship, it gets upset, uh, they will spray, right? And everybody knows it. It, This stinks! Well, if you're a turtle in a relationship, okay, and the turtle, as a turtle, you get upset, they pull into their own shells and hide. So Matthew here for us in chapter 18 is speaking of interpersonal problems between Christians. So that that remains um, unresolved. So we're going to address that this morning. Also, these are family members, other believers in Christ, brothers and sisters, and we can work them out. So how can we keep the church family happy, healthy, and holy? Well, I believe it's by doing His Word. And I believe if the church would just do what these five verses set before us this morning have asked us to do, I think there would be a crazy revival that would take place. I'm all for apologetics. I think we need to know the word. We need to stand up for truth. But let me tell you what, if we would just do what God's told us to do within the church, we would embody the heart of Jesus Christ in such a way that the world would look in and say, hey... You guys have something that is special because we all have relationship problems and you guys actually are able to love each other, work through anything, and be better coming out the end of whatever came your way, whatever conflict it might have been. I think this, guys, would really shake up and think about it. How many divisions have we seen in the church today? The world looks in and all we see is we're fighting. We're pointing at each other, tearing each other down. Do we do what God's asked us to do when it comes to conflict? And if we did, would we see so much infighting? I don't think so. So I'm pretty stoked to go through this with you guys. We must learn this or we're going to be miserable. It's one or the other. We must resolve conflict and restore relationships. Well, Pastor, this kind of sounds like a serious message this morning. I don't know about you guys, but the Word of God is pretty serious. And I don't know about you guys, but his ways are way better than ours. And some of you guys might be like, I don't even like where this sermon's going because I know what it's going to say and what God is going to ask me to do. Well, I hope, I don't want to beat you guys. I want you guys to actually be set free. I believe that's the heart of God. He wants good. So let's take a read here when we consider conflict, how to work it out. Because Jesus, God himself makes it pretty clear. Let's look at verse 15 here. It says moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouths mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, Tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. So reconciliation. Whose job is it anyways? I'm glad you asked. Because a lot of us think it's God's job. Well, isn't it God's job to show people that they're wrong? Is that really my job? Well, here, no. Usually in the scriptures, or scripture, You guys see that God uses people, right, for this purpose. I think of Nathan with David. You guys remember when the prophet called him out for his sin with Bathsheba and killing Uriah? How about Paul with Peter? I withstood him to the face. (laughs) How about Elijah with Ahab? You see, we see conflicts throughout history. Conflict doesn't resolve itself accidentally, it must be intentional. So, I thought time heals all things. No, if that were true, the next time that you guys go to a doctor's office, I just want you to remain in the waiting room. Don't actually go in to see the doctor. Just see what happens, okay? So, the only way to resolve conflict is to face it. It's the only way. Every member of the Church of Christ has been granted the privilege of reconciliation. Produced by Jesus Christ. So when is it my responsibility to go? Glad you asked. I want to take a look at Matthew chapter five. You can turn there if you'd like. And then we'll jump right back to chapter 18 here. But when is it my responsibility to go? Well, we go when you're in sin. OK? Matthew 5:23. I had to do this with a brother a week before I left on vacation. I'm just like, i got to get this settled in this right. I had to go repent. I had to be truthful, bear my heart, ask for forgiveness, pray with my brother. So if you're in sin, Matthew 5, 23 and 24, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Is that pretty straightforward for you and I? Absolutely. Now flip back to chapter 18, and I want us to look carefully at verse 15. okay? This is the next go. We go if they are in sin. So we go, okay, when we're in sin, and we also go if they're in sin. Moreover, verse 15, "If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him as you live stream it on social media for everybody taking the conversation you're having. Does it say that? No, it says alone, right? You go alone. And if he hears you, what what happens? You've gained your brother. And isn't that what we always want to happen? We always wanna gain a brother or sister. We don't wanna lose them. So if they are in sin, shouldn't they come to me? Glad you asked. Well, they might not know that they've sinned against you, right? Well, I'm sitting here mad. I can't believe they did that to me. What did I do to them? I'm their friend. How dare they? And they have no clue that they've sinned against you. How many of us are holding on to that bitterness, that unforgiveness? And the person that we're angry with doesn't even have a clue. Also, they might not be ready to come to you. But your attitude of submission and love, it's actually going to help them repent. And don't you want to help your brothers and sisters repent? Absolutely. I want to see all you guys repent. You've heard me say before, I think repentance is the most beautiful, glorious word in all of the scriptures. Right? Acts 3.19, Repent that times of refreshing may come of being in the presence of the Lord. Why wouldn't I want my brothers and sisters to be in the presence of the Lord and be refreshed by him? That's something we want to see happen. Also, the ideal would be when both, okay, cooling down and they meet each other on the way to each other's house to seek reconciliation. Wouldn't that be so cool? I'm going to you. I was coming to you. I'm so sorry. That'd be so awesome. So the best when you start fighting over or when you start fighting over, it was my fault. No, it wasn't your fault. It was my fault. No, it really was my fault. Don't start another fight. But I think that would be great if it got to that point. So how much time do I have to start, or or, or do I have until I have to start this reconciliation? I want you guys to notice here the urgency that we see back in Matthew 5. Okay, It said, leave your gift there. Okay, if you come, (laughs) you know, before the Lord, and you've come to worship, to give, you're like, wait a minute, I have a fault, (laughs) I've done somebody wrong. Okay, I need to go. Okay, leave it there. And it says to go first, quickly, do it quickly. I also want you guys to note that there's a close tie between worship and reconciliation. Some of you guys might have a really hard time worshiping the Lord. I would suggest maybe there's some conflict that needs to be dealt with first. Also, these are emergency priorities that may not be handled casually or at, one le- at one's leisure. So what if I don't resolve conflicts? Then what? Well, it blocks my fellowship with God, right? And I think that's the biggest bummer for any believer. We already have a sin issue. Jesus took care of that sin issue. Okay, we're, all, 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 we're, we're dead <laughs> uh, to, 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 to sin. Christ has set us free. Now we have this you know, privilege of being his kid, to be in relationship. But let me tell you what, guys. When sin is there, okay, when there's sin, even with one another, that can actually uh, disrupt and block our fellowship with God. And I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to be right with God and be wrong with somebody else. It doesn't work that way. So, it also blocks our prayers. I want you guys to note 1 Peter 3.7, especially you men here. um, God won't hear us if there's this conflict while we stay in that place. What are we told in 1 Peter 3.7? Well, this is speaking to husbands, but we're to treat our wives, okay, Uh, in a right way, okay? Um, And if we don't, our prayers will be hindered, okay? Do you guys see that there? Your prayers will be hindered. That's pretty crazy. Something can block my prayers. Like, God, you're not even going to hear me? Yeah. And let me tell you what, what relationship are you going to have the most conflicts with probably in this lifetime? Probably be your spouse, most likely, okay? And God cares about that. He doesn't want to see conflict between a husband and a wife, it also can block our happiness, guys. Um, if your relationship stinks, okay, relationships stink, then your life stinks. And then the worst one of all, guys, it dishonors the name of Christ. okay. And that really stinks, doesn't it? We don't want to dishonor him, misrepresent him in any way. That just makes me... Emoji face sad, right? (laughs) That should make us all emoji face sad. So, what if I do resolve conflicts, okay? Well, this is the purpose of why Jesus is saying what he's saying to you and I this morning. To preserve the honor of God's name, right? To assure purity within the church. To reclaim and to reconcile the offender. So, don't... (laughs) So don't have that good riddance attitude, okay? When you're in conflict with somebody and finally I'm just done with them, I don't have to deal with them anymore, it's over, it's done. That should never be our attitude. So how do I decide when to confront? So whatever comes between Christians, it must be removed, right? The Bible Reveals two types of offenses. There's coverable offenses. I want to share with you guys 1 Peter 4.8. It says, And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love does what? It covers a multitude of sin. Isn't that cool? And this is what God is asking us, brothers and sisters. Another one I want to look at with you guys is Proverbs uh, chapter 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow To anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So we can cover and we can overlook. So obviously, every problem and offense cannot be raised and settled. Otherwise, this is all we would be doing in life. So we must learn in love to forgive and bypass many slights, annoyances, and offenses. Also, we need to ask ourselves is it covered? I think that's a good thing to do is it covered are you dwelling on it can you drop it is it eating you up are you finding others to talk about it with you and then there's the uncoverable offenses it's a matter continues to rattle around on the inside you can't stop thinking about it okay it can't be covered till the next day then it should be handled you should deal with it you see it drives if it ever drives a wedge between christians a brother or sister whatever a wedge must be removed so how do i confront it i'm glad you asked guys there's five steps i want to go through with you guys real quick um instruction that Jesus has given us here. The first one is to keep it private. Okay, look at verse 15. Again, we pointed out that you go to this brother or sister alone. Okay, keep the circle small. This is the way God has intended for us to deal with conflict. It's not to call Pastor Landon or Pastor Dave and say, Hey, you should know that so-and-so has done this. No, 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 no. Show me the scripture where it says, call your pastor and be a little tattletale. It doesn't say that anywhere, does it? What it says, hey, you go to that person alone. So anything else is going to be gossip. But I need counsel. <laughs> be very careful. It seems here, guys, that the that's in the next step, okay? But the point here, you go to a brother. You confront this, and hopefully you're gaining a brother. This is the goal, isn't it, guys? This is the goal. You want to gain them. You don't want to tear them apart, okay? You want to you gain them back. So this is our goal. This is the very heart of the issue is to gain back our brothers and sisters. So above all else, go to him with the idea of, hey, I'm going to win my brother. It's not about going to them and winning the argument. Does that make sense? Okay? And that's hard sometimes because we want to stand in our rights. They've sinned against me. The argument is I'm right and they're wrong. How dare they do that to me? That's not the attitude that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a humble attitude where we get over our rights and we're actually looking out for the best of the other. And that's only going to happen by love. Okay, I love this brother or sister and I want to see... They're good. This is the goal. So this is very heart of the issue here is to gain back our brothers and sisters. And above all else, go to him with the idea of winning your brother, not the argument. And if it is possible to win the argument, or it is possible to win an argument, but you end up losing what? Your brother. okay? And that's not the point. So some principles for you and I, don't condemn the offender. Also, don't hold it in. And don't let it out, because that would be gossip. You see, we need to watch out for the transmutable disease of gossip. It's really the leprosy of the tongue. You see, if two couples have a problem, and each of them, okay, of the four, went and told two friends, which one would tell their spouse, now you're up to 20 people that are inside this conflict problem. See how quickly that happens, guys? So no wonder why Jesus and Paul talks about sin being likened to leaven. Okay? It will grow quickly. So I want you guys to turn with me to Galatians. Okay? Galatians chapter 6. I want us to consider our attitude for a moment. God cares much about how we think and how our attitudes are. Some of you guys might be like, well, Pastor, you're a spiritual man. You must have a great attitude about everything. Let me be really open for a moment with you guys. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I can't stand my inner attitude issues. The more they are apparent, the uglier they get. But God loves us enough to change us, to challenge us, to work in our lives in a way that our attitudes become more and more like his. Okay? We are Christ's followers. He's transforming us from glory to glory. And let me tell you what. You can look really good on the outside, brother and sister. (laughs) But God knows what's going on in the heart and the attitudes of the heart. That's what he sees. And that's what he is going to be faithful to work in us and change us until he comes. Amen? Pretty excited about that. So pray for your pastor. Uh, Also, concerning what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he says here in the first verse, if a man is overtaken by any trespass... We know people who are overtaken by sin all the time. It says, You who are spiritual, okay? you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So if you see someone who is overtaken in sin, what is... The scripture's telling us to do. If you're spiritual, some of us aren't spiritually strong or mature enough to come along and say, you know, I just got saved last week. You know, man, I was an addict, alcohol, whatever it is. God set me free. You know, I would encourage that young believer. Your calling right now is probably not go. And come alongside all your buddies and friends that are caught up in the things of the world in these addictions. Because I've seen it happen too quickly (laughs) to so many over the years. They fall right back into it. Doing chaplaincy work in the jail for five years, I saw many people come to Christ on fire for Jesus. And of course, what do you want to see? Your family. And your friends come to know Jesus too, to be forgiven of sins, to know their creator, to be given eternal life. You want that for them. And their heart's desire was, when I get out of jail, I can't wait to go back. I'm going to win them all for Jesus Christ. And I would caution every single one of them. You need to be very, very careful. It's not because I think this, it's because the scriptures say this, okay? It's telling us clearly here, hey, Consider yourself, lest least you also be tempted. Are you mature enough in Christ that you won't be tempted by hanging out with them again? And that's where we got to really discern and have wisdom in that. And I saw so many guys that did go back and they tried and they were able for a time to walk the walk, but you can't continue to hang out with your old friends and don't think it's not going to rub off on you in the wrong ways, okay? And that's where God wants us to be mature, And part of that maturity is to be able to discern who we should be and not be hanging out with, okay? God loves us. We're his kids. He wants us to protect us. I do the same thing with my kids. I want to protect them. So, But I also want them to shine for Jesus, right? (laughs) So use wisdom. Also, um, we see the word restore here. I think that's one that should be circled. Uh, here in Galatians six, one, it's used especially uh, in the scriptures as a surgical term of a setting a joint or a bone into place, so which obviously recovers what or requires what? A lot of patience and tenderness. So our attitude should not be to be a policeman uh, out there to arrest the criminals, but rather to be one of a physician. That's what Jesus is getting at. Seeking to heal the wound in the body of Christ and a wound that will spread sickness and death if it's left alone. I also want you guys to note that this doesn't necessarily mean only one visit. Sometimes we think that's it. Okay? I don't know about you guys, but hey, when we're dealing with some stuff, I need I need to go to a doctor multiple times in order to get it worked out or fixed, right? Well I went, it didn't work. Okay. Uh, we'll make every possible attempt to do this um, before going on. Let's go on to step number two here. Let's go back to Matthew. You guys can look at verse 16 with me. Step number two is get help from a few. So first we go to that person, okay, alone, one-on-one. The next thing that Jesus asks us to do, look at verse 16, but if he won't hear you, if you go to him alone, you haven't won your brother back, then he says that you need to take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So, do you know why to bring one or two more? Well, intimidation, Pastor. We're going to kick their butt. <laughs> I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at, right? No, it's actually the opposite. You so see, you bring worthy arbiters with you to the offender, you bring people that they're going to receive, that they have respect for. So these partners can, you know, uh, can assist in prayer, persuasion, be a witness of the truth in the conversation. I want us to note again, this isn't necessarily only a one-time shot either. Perhaps there needs to be several visits with these two or three. They must work at this until they've reached reconciliation or are convinced then to go on to step three. Okay. So you guys understand, Jesus is getting at, we need to make every effort possible. Not like, hey, I showed you, showed up, told you you're wrong, you're in sin, brought a couple buddies with, they're confirming it, you're done. <laughs> no, you keep working at it. And if that doesn't work, then we go to step number three, which is get help from the church. Okay? And if the, in verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. So telling it to the church is still part of trying to win this erring brother. It's always to win them. So very rarely does it come to this point, uh, to this if the first steps were done properly. Uh, I believe taking it to church isn't for public humiliation, but it's for uh, really broadening the circle once again, bringing all into the know here, Um, for the restoration purposes. Because let me tell you what, maybe me and my two buddies, you know, we really tried with this brother, (laughs) you know, and he's not repentant. He's going to continue on in this sin and stuff. But now it's brought before the church. Well, maybe one of you guys have a relationship or an influence in this man's life that you're able to now come alongside and influence him in a way where he turns back to Jesus and say, yes. (laughs) You know, this is wrong, okay, I'm going to repent, I'm going to get right. Um, so this is step then uh, number three, okay, so bringing all in for restoration purposes, which brings us to step number four now, uh, treat him like a heathen or a tax collector, okay. Well, of course we don't like tax collectors. Any of you guys like tax collectors? Some of you guys are like, it's April, or almost yeah. April. Oh no, I don't like those guys. Anyways, Jesus says here, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. So this means that you treat him as what? An unbeliever. That's what Jesus is saying. Treat him just like an unbeliever. It doesn't say that you are judging if the person is saved or not. Because what? Do you know if a person is saved or not? No. No. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, "I hope you're saved," because I really don't know. Only God knows your heart. Isn't that true? I know I'm saved. Do you know you're saved? I like honestly in this entire room, I know the only person that's really saved in this entire room is me. Because I can't know your heart. Can you know your heart? I know God's my dad. I know Jesus is the Savior of the world. I know he died and rose again. I know he's the one and true living God. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. I know him. (laughs) I know I know him. But I don't know if you really know him. We can see fruit in people's life and we want to think, hey, there's good fruit there. It looks like they have a relationship with God. (laughs) I hope they're really saved, But we don't really know. So the point here is we don't know. Okay, And that's not the purpose of it is to judge whether or not they're saved. So, um, it doesn't say that you're judging them for that, but how do we treat unbelievers? I think that's the question that we really have to ask ourselves here. Well, we seek their salvation. Okay, We are kind towards them. We show love towards them. They obviously shouldn't serve in any capacity in the church, and it also hinders true fellowship. If we get to this point... We're to break fellowship because we can't have fellowship with them. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a bummer. I want to. We had great fellowship together, you know, but you're in sin and you're unrepentive, and God's telling me I need to break this fellowship. I I love you. (laughs) I'll serve you, I'll be there. But we can't have intimate relationship, you know, fellowship in the Lord. How does this work? Okay, and that's the point that Jesus is getting at here. Um, and that's why reconciliation is so important for the body of Christ, because we should never have that wedge, that conflict to that extent ever Um, obviously um, oh, let's go on to the next point number five, step number five keep the local church spiritual that's the point Okay, God desires a pure bride, right? Jesus is coming back soon for his bride, you guys understand that? He desires us to be pure, okay, to be beautiful. I want us to be beautiful when he comes. I don't want us being at a bargain and slammed or gossiping behind someone's back. Wouldn't that stink? Brother, isn't it cool being in heaven right now? Yeah, it's pretty cool. What was the last thing you were doing on earth? I don't know about you guys, but I want for all time all eternity whenever jesus chooses to come and take us home guys i want ever whatever i'm doing to be cool i don't want to be provoking my kids i want to be loving and serving my family i want to be about jesus's business i want to hear well done good and faithful servant so yeah let's read here um Number five is keep the local church spiritual. Verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That is so cool. So, Jesus adds some words about authority, prayer, and fellowship here. And this is how we'll wrap it up. The first one is on authority. Okay, assuredly, verse 18. Right, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So church discipline doesn't refer to a group of Christian policemen throwing their weight around, but rather it seems here that God is exercising his authority in and through the local body to restore his kids that are going astray. That's what he's laying out here. So Paul bound the offering brother or offending brother in 1 Corinthians 5, right? He bound him. And then we read in the second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 2 that he was to be loosed. We see a great example of that played out in the Corinthian church. So the authority has been given. Also, prayer. There we go. Prayer, verse 19. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So agree. The Greek word is sophonio. Okay, It's the English word that we get, symphony. Think about that. How does that connect then? How does that work? Well, these are sounds that agree, though not identical, okay, They are general. They agree in general. So the number of Christians concurring in an opinion. So if we can also note the power of combined prayer, how important that is. Come, Sunday morning at 845. We pray upstairs. Great time to come together to be in agreement. And the last thing that Jesus lays out here is fellowship. Look at verse 20. For Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the mist. Isn't that cool to think about? I've come here today in the name of Jesus. I hope you've come here today in the name of Jesus. And he's in the mist. That's pretty exciting. But it can be just two or three. So the local church must be a worshiping community recognizing the presence of the Lord that's in their midst. That's a pretty cool thing. So the presence of the Lord is God's presence is the fixed center of the assembly. assembly. It's also the reason that we come together, and it's the power with which it acts. So couldn't all offenses between two brothers be mended by simply putting this last verse, verse 20, first? Why didn't you just say this right away, before verse 15? Well, I just know that God is calling us to this. That's what I read here. This is what he's asking of us, brothers and sisters, so we can work it out. That's his heart. Do kids like to fight? Absolutely. But what do brothers and sisters do? They fight, but what do they do? They work it out. They're still brothers and sisters. They get over it. We keep loving each other. We keep moving on. So... I want to close with just a couple scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends upon you, okay, and speaking to you here, guys. Live peaceably with all men. As much as we can do as Christians. Live peaceably. I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 together. This will be our last scripture. I got a really cool illustration to share with you guys as we close. Second Corinthians chapter five. If you want to really bless a brother or sister, read this chapter to them sometime. It's one of the neatest neatest passages in the Bible, or they're all neat. What am I saying? But this is really cool. Check out verse 18. It says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. How? Through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry. We get to serve what? In the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So it's always more rewarding to resolve conflict than to dissolve a relationship. And guys, let me tell you what, God came into this world (laughs) to be a perfect sacrifice, to do what no man, no woman ever could do throughout history to be a perfect sacrifice, to be crucified on a cross 2,000 years ago for the sins of the world, guys. That if anyone believes upon him, they will not perish but have everlasting life. That they would be reconciled back to God. Jesus did that. And he is our example as we deny ourselves our rights. Okay? deny yourself, pick up your cross, and as you follow Jesus, you will be doing this work as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You will be about the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we get to do, guys. When is the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Let me tell you what, I think if our relationships aren't right within the church, we're going to have a hard time doing the ministry we're called to do. Because let me tell you what, some of us today need to leave our gift at the altar, go be reconciled. Be free. Be freed up. Do your part. You can't make a person do what's right. But if it's a brother or sister in Christ, you need to do your part. Okay. If you sin against somebody, you've got to go repent. You've got to get right. And I believe in that we find a beautiful freedom just to be about what God's called us to do. And that is to be salt and light. To go and make disciples. So, I want to throw this out. It might hurt somebody, but that's okay. The more insecure you are, the more you try to control things in your life. That's something that God just laid on my heart this week. The more insecure you are, the more you're going to try to control things. I'm going to take it a step farther. I wasn't planning on doing this. (laughs) If you feel like your wife is very controlling... Husband, is probably because you're not loving your wife in such a way that she feels secure with you. She's probably carrying a lot of insecurities. You need to man up and do what Jesus has asked you to do. A lot of times we think there's a lot of other issues and problems around it. No, when we're secure in who we are, and first of all, we need to know who we are in Christ. That's the most important thing. We are loved despite us. I don't get it. But the God of all creation loves us as we are. He knows who we are. We're butt dust. (laughs) And he still loves us, right? Think about that, guys. He still loves us. As sinful as we are, he is a merciful God who has given us this great gift to anyone. Even the biggest of sinners, guys, can be forgiven. And once they're forgiven, they have a right standing with God. Their righteousness now is Jesus' righteousness. And there's nothing better than that. And this is what we get to share with the world. We get to share this good news that men and women would also be reconciled to God. And once we are reconciled with God, those insecurities, those things we deal with, those things should start flipping the way we think. Okay? Because now we are a new creation. All things become new. We have a new identity in who we are as God's kids. Start living like it too. Do you guys know we don't have to live like we used to anymore? He set us free. Okay? Okay? we'd start walking and living and doing those things that please our maker, our heavenly father. And also the most controlling people are the most insecure people. I already said that. So I want to close with this. Where he went there. You guys recognize that statue? Cool story behind this. 115 years ago, a large statue of Jesus here was erected in the Andes on the border between the Argent- or Argentina and... Uh, in Chile, called Christ Redeemer of the Andes. The statue symbolizes a pledge between two countries that as long as the statue stands, there will be peace between Chile and Argentina. Shortly after the statue was erected, the Chileans began to protest (laughs) that they had been slighted. The statue had its back towards Chile. Just when the t- t- tempers were at the highest in Chile, the Chilean newspaper uh, saved the day. The editorial that not only satisfied the people, but made them laugh. Uh, he said simply this The people of Argentina need more watching over than the Chileans. <laughs> that was on March 13, 1904. And I love engraved there on the base of the statue. Uh, In Spanish, it says this, Sooner shall these mountains crumble into dust than Chileans and Argentinians break the peace which at the feet of Christ the Redeemer they have sworn to maintain. I love that. Would you stand and pray with me, please? Well, Father, we are thankful. God, it is so good when we are at your feet. I think of Mary, how she chose the good part. And she was willing to be there at your feet, listening to you. And it is good just to hear your word, to get right perspective. We are so thankful that your ways are way better than ours, God. Even when they don't make sense... Even when our pride wants to get in the way, you're still right, and your ways are good. And we want to please you, Father. So I pray that you'd help us just to stay in that sweet spot, Father, looking to you, trusting you, obeying you. There's nothing better. Lord, you are so good. I do want to pray specifically for any conflicts that may be going on with any one of us, Lord that you give us the courage, Father, the love to reach out, (laughs) to speak truth and love to those that need to hear it, that we may gain back a brother or sister. Or if there are things that we've done against someone, maybe even things we don't know (laughs) that we've done, would you please, Holy Spirit, reveal those, that we can deal with those, repent, and go and ask for forgiveness and get right with whoever we have offended? Lord, we just want to... We want to be at peace. Lord, we all desire it. And we know that without you, it ain't going to happen. So we're looking to you. We're trusting in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.